You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. I mean, stop, Seager. Toss on off the first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven. Scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right. Welcome back. Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. At Mariners Pod, at Gary Hill Jr. Uh, you know all that. Mariners get the win 5-3. to three. What a great start to this homestand, to this series against the Angels. We have all the highlights, all the reaction coming your way in the next few minutes. Also, Aaron Goldsmith, before the ball game, sat down with Mark Langston, it's really interesting to hear. Mark's the best. We have him on all the time. It's interesting to hear his perspective of how big this series is for the Angels and why. Also breaks down the Otani loss, the Simmons loss. Uh, it's really good stuff coming up in a few minutes from Mark Langston. And just a great start to the series. Two teams that it looks like are going to battle it out the rest of the way in postseason contention. You look at the landscape of the American League, and it's not hard to see why this is a big series between the Mariners and the Angels. And it didn't start out so well last night as the Angels get two in the first inning. Mike Trout goes deep. Albert Pujols goes deep. And the Angels are on top 2-0 in the first inning. But Nelson Cruz, who had a monster night, would get two back right away in the first inning. The next pitch swung on and a drive. Deep to straightaway center field. Going, going, goodbye baseball to the bottom of the batter's eye. Nelson Cruz has tied it at 2-2 two to two here in the bottom of the first inning with his 14th home run of the season. And yes, indeed, Nelly can tie up a game with one swing of the bat, and he does so here in the bottom of the first with Segura aboard. He would tie the game. He would give the Mariners the lead as well. Here is the 2-2 to Nelly. Swing and a drive again. Straight away center field. Trout going back, looking up. Goodbye baseball. Straight away center field. Lightning striking twice. Nelson Cruz, second at bat, second home run of the ball game. His 15th home run of the season now. And it gives the Mariners a 3-2 lead here in the bottom of the fourth. What a shot by Nelly. Holy smokes. A one-man wrecking crew early in this ballgame against the Angels. He is red hot. The Mariners get three uh, to take a 5-2 lead at that point as Ryan Healy would check in with a big blast as well. The pitch on the way. Swing and a drive deep to straightaway left field. Going. Going. Goodbye, baseball, Ryan Healy with a two-run home run, his 10th home run of the season. Holy smokes, and it's now the Mariners five and the Angels two, and for the Mariners, their third home run of this game. Three home runs. The Mariners play long ball again for the second consecutive game. Three homers, and probably the most important, 
important moment of the ball game in the fifth inning. LeBlanc on for the Mariners. Bases loaded. He stays in to face Upton, and this is what happened. LeBlanc takes a deep side out from the set. Here's the 3-2 on the way. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Wade LeBlanc strikes out Justin Upton and retires the side. The Angels leave the bases loaded. Ice water in the veins of Wade LeBlanc. Gets out of a bases loaded jam, and that's it for the Halos here in the top of the fifth inning. What a job by LeBlanc, his fifth and biggest strikeout of the game. So LeBlanc ends up going five quality innings, just two runs. The bullpen takes it the rest of the way, giving up a run. The Mariners get the win, and probably the most impressive aspect of this is what they did to Andrew Heaney who's been one of the big surprises in the American League this year. He has been simply sensational this season for the Angels. He's a guy, you turn it back to his last eight starts, so we're going back to the end of April, a long period of time, a 1.93 ERA, opponents batting 194 against him. He'd allowed one homer, 11 earned runs in eight starts. He has been great in last night's start. Gives up three, uh, gives up seven hits in three innings, five runs, three homers on 52 pitches. And the Mariners chase Heaney, who has been outstanding this year. So great job by the Mariners offense to put runs on the board to chase him. LeBlanc gets it done, especially after giving up two home runs in the first, gets out of the jam in the fifth. And, of course, Edwin Diaz comes on with a huge two-run cushion to work with, and he would end this ball game. Two down here in the top of the ninth, and the 1 1 to Kinsler. Swing and a ground ball right side. Gordon to his left. He's got it. Shallow right. The throw to first, and it's over. The Mariners win it 5 to 3 over the Angels tonight. They take game one of the big three game series here at Safeco Field. Game one in the books. The Mariners win 5 to 3 over the Angels. The roll continues for the M's. And you look at the standings with the Astros off, the Mariners back into first place solo. And you'll hear from Mark Langston in a few minutes why this is big for the Angels. Mariners 42 and 24 on the season, a half game ahead of Houston, who's 42 and 25 on the season. Houston's won five in a row. The Mariners have won two. Angels have lost two in a row after winning six straight. Angels 37 and 30. Five and a half back. Let's hear from Wade LeBlanc, who had that big moment in the ball game, helped pitch the Mariners to victory. It's a big pitch, big at bat, big, big, uh, big at bat in the game, big time in the game. Um, was able to execute a, a cutter and uh, get out of there. Um, offense did great. Z did did his usual thing back there, so uh, just kind of riding coattails. I think there's probably more to it than that. What was the approach against Trout and Pujols the second time around compared to the first inning? Uh, not throw those pitches again. Um, you know, you take, you kind of, as a starter, you, you kind of use their first at bats to, to kind of see what they're what they're trying to do and what their game plan is. And I made a couple of mistakes to Hall of Fame caliber hitters, and you know they made me pay for it. So. Uh, Coming back around, you try not to make the same mistakes, and you try to try to attack them in a in a way that they're uh, they're maybe not looking for. Throw more pitches tonight than you have in any of your starts this year. Was that part of the plan, or is that just kind of the way it happened with their at bats? I think that's kind of the way. I mean, they they really battled. 
Um, they battled. I I got into some deep counts uh, that I typically, uh, when I'm when I'm going well, I'm able to avoid those deep counts. Um, but it seems like Houston and, and tonight I've kind of fought myself a little more than than usual. So um, I've been able to keep the team in the game and and uh, we'll try to get those ironed out. You don't get Kinsler. You can't intentionally walk Trout there. How much? Have a presence as Trout in the lineup when you're kind of approaching when he could be coming up. I mean, that? he's every team's got got one to one to two guys that that you know where they're at, and even the last inning, I'm watching I'm watching in here on TV, and and you know that Trout's up fourth. It's just he's he's one of those guys, and, and Eddie did a good job closing it out and leaving him on the in the on deck circle. And he's safely on first. What do you have to do just to make sure? You, you do have the numbers against Upton, but what do you have to make sure that you're ready for that with the bases loaded? Um, I mean, it, it all comes down to execution, whether whether there's guys on base or, or nobody on base. Um, I know I know that if I execute <clears throat> a, a game plan that we've laid out before the game, I know if I execute my pitches that more often than not we're going we're gonna to have success. So uh, you just go back to what you've – what you've lined out with with Z and with Mel before the game and, and trust it. With Nelly's home run in the bottom of the first inning, how much did that get you refocus out there at it all? How big was that? I mean, it was huge. It basically starts the game over. Um, it's back to it's back to even. So uh, you just go out there and you and you keep making pitches. Wade LeBlanc is swiftly becoming my favorite post-game interview. Not only the snappy one-liners like riding coattails, which is outstanding, but some great info there as well, talking about the reality of facing Trout in the lineup and what it means, for example, and I think this is big too, clearly. Edwin Diaz closes the game with Mike Trout standing in the on-deck circle. I mean, in that situation, if you can avoid it, Trout, I mean, that's – that's the best case scenario if you don't have to face him, but just you know having to be aware of him in the lineup and where he is and always knowing where he is. I mean, there's really good info there from Wade LeBlanc, who was outstanding. Mariners get the win. Let's hear from the skipper, Scott Service. Two-run win, but it felt like one run because <laughs> he was sitting there. But uh, uh, good ball game. Uh, you know, I thought our guys uh, – you know, really responded well. They jump out with a couple home runs there in the first inning, and it was great. Uh, you know, Nelson just absolutely smoked the ball off of Heaney, and Heaney's been throwing the ball really, really well. I think he went to a complete game last time out, but, you know, kind of getting us right back in the ball game there in the bottom of the first, I thought it was huge. And obviously, Cruz followed that up with some more stuff later on. Uh, but, you know, the bullpen was really solid tonight. So, uh, nice win, nice way to start the homestand. And uh, again, it wasn't a one run win, so uh, we'll take those two. How, how do you go about measuring? Well, the, the easy answer is the result, but Nelson's impact and when he barrels the ball up. But there's several other factors you look at as to where he's at and in tune with his body and how he's feeling. Sort of seems like he's in that stretch now where maybe this is the best he's felt all year, physically and baseball-wise. Yeah, it certainly looks that way health-wise. He, he feels good uh, about his swing and, and where his body's at right now, which is, which is great. And home run hitters, it, it goes in streaks. You know, you'll see guys hit, you know, five, six, seven in a 10-day period. They just get in that groove, and, and he's certainly in a, in a really good groove right now. So uh, hopefully we can ride it for as long as we can. I think we'll look up at the end of the year, and you'll get a typical Nelson Cruz year here. Um, and I was off to a slow start early, and everybody's like, oh, you know, where's this going? And, you know, he's righted the ship. He's 
He prepares so well. Uh, he just gives you everything he's got every day, and you know, he's getting great results right now. Right, the block, big moment in that fifth inning. He had the numbers against Upton, but he still got to pull it off right there. You really do, yeah. He has had some history uh, against Upton. He's, he's had success against Justin Upton and uh, changing speeds and, and locating, but he, he snuck a fastball by him there with the bases loaded. Huge out in the ball game. Uh, you know, you're kind of on the edge. He's kind of getting to the end of his pitch count. Uh, but it was, it was great to see. He was fired up to get through it. <laughs> so was I. Uh, that, that's, you know, getting through that, you know, that part of the lineup with that club is it's tough. How much was going through your mind that you would bring in Jason there? And what, what led you to say, Wade, you're going to finish this out and get that guy? Get Upton? Yeah, uh, yeah. Wade was uh, – Upton's two for 22 against – uh, against Wade, so you know all those numbers and all the history and everything else plays into your decision making. And you know, I thought it was an opportunity there. The big out in the inning uh, was really obviously the ball was smoked by Seager, um, so they go second, third. He gets Kinsler to hit the soft short pop in right field, so now base is open. You can walk Mike Trout and, and go for Upton there. So again, it comes down to execution, uh, and Wade did a nice job tonight. See three balls hit that hard over the center field fence in a game. It's hard to do any time to see three of them go out like that in one night. Yeah, those guys have power. They really do. Uh, you know, when they square the ball up, you know, Nelson and and certainly, uh, you know, Mike Trout, uh, you know, really uh, squared the last one up. But uh, that's what you got. They're special players. Um, the guys that have had put up numbers in this league, uh, they continue to do it. And, um, you know, as far as a fan's perspective, doesn't get any better than watching a home run ball go out. Uh, when you're near the dugout and Mike Trout stepping up there, you know, it's not a great feeling. But, uh, you know, he had a good night tonight. we got to try to make some adjustments with him tomorrow. He's, he's a tough out. Team had a five and a half hour flight yesterday after a full day, and the energy they had down in the dugout at the end of the game seemed pretty impressive. They're kind of used to this now. It almost seems like. Yeah, our, everybody knows our travel. You know, it's it's a struggle up here. You're gonna have some long flights. Uh, we did have a long one back from Tampa, but. I just thought, you know, guys getting back home, the weather was great today, getting out on the field early BP, it was like breath of fresh air, being outside and getting out of the dome in Tampa. So uh, all those things are played our benefit. Like I said, I, me personally, our coaching staff, really looking forward to the next couple of weeks of baseball. Uh, we really believe in this team. Our guys believe in themselves. And, uh, you know, we're going to face some good clubs. Uh, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is going to be a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to this homestand, the Angels, the Red Sox, and this is just, it's off to a great start by getting game one of this series against the Angels. So Mariners back at it tonight, game two of this three-game series. Of course, day baseball on Wednesday. Tonight, 7-10 first pitch again from Safeco Field. Mike Leak will get, he's been on a really nice roll for the Mariners as of late, especially his last four in particular. 29 and two-thirds innings and a 1-8-2 ERA. He's walked one and fanned 16 opponents, batting just 222 against him. He's really pitched well. So he'll take the ball for the Mariners here in game two of the series. Jaime Barrio will go for the Angels here in game one, and he's really been good for the Angels so far this year. The rookie, 5-1, and one, a 2-4-8 ERA, just seven big league starts, just 21 years of age, 36 and a third innings. He's walked nine. He's fanned 30. Ten and runs allowed. He's allowed four home runs. Has not started a ball game since the first of this month, but he's been so consistent. Last time out against the Rangers, went six scoreless, fanning six. 
against Houston this year, went seven, allowing one run, fanning seven without a walk. In Colorado, five and a third, zero earned runs. He's really been good this year, a big part of what the Angels have done with their rotation. The rotation has been excellent. It's one been one of the big stories for the Angels this year, and he's been a big part of it. So this should be another good matchup. And then day baseball coming up on Wednesday, 1-10, first pitch. Marco Gonzalez, Garrett Richards, that's going to be a good one as well. Mariners, a chance to take the series tonight against the Angels. Should be pretty great. Now to break it down, Aaron Goldsmith, a chance to sit down with Mark Langston. Really good thoughts, especially from the other perspective, the Angels side of things. Mark, it's always good to see you. Always great to see you, especially here at Safeco Field. This is a big series. This feels like a really enormous series on both sides. It's not make or break. Nobody will be eliminated. That's certainly how the Mariners see it. What is it like from the Angels' point of view? I actually think it's a bigger series for the Angels than it is the Mariners because of the position that they have put themselves in. The Angels, if they have a bad series here, they they start creeping farther and farther. And as we all know, it's harder to get back into that. So I I, I believe it's a bigger series for the Angels. The Angels have to play good in this series. Uh, You know, you figure two out of three for the Angels side of it. Otherwise, you start creeping farther and farther behind. The Mariners have put themselves in such a nice position to where the series is. I don't think it's a big series, but I don't think it's as big as it is for them as it is for the Angels. No Andrelton Simmons for the Angels on the disabled list with the ankle injury. When we first saw Simmons years and years and years ago with the Braves, he was just kind of a glove-only shortstop. Now, that being said, a premier glove. But we've seen him really come around with the bat, too. He's been a very good offensive player, elite defender. How big of a loss is Andrelton Simmons? Huge loss. It's an absolute for the offensive side. Defensively, he saves the Angels so many runs defensively. But this year, offensively, he was really up there with all the elite shortstops, Gene Segura being one of them. You could almost compare the two of them statistically, and you guys see Segura on a daily basis and know how important he is to your ball club offensively. That's what Simmons was providing for us from the offensive standpoint, hitting fifth, driving runs in, getting big hits, hitting for average, getting on base, providing those extra guys that's behind him the opportunity to drive in runs. So uh, anytime you lose a guy like that, not only from a shortstop standpoint and what he's capable of giving you from a defensive standpoint, offensively, it's a, it's a big loss. We'll be watching Andrew Haney, the Angels starter tonight, and it seems like whether it be uh, mostly health for Haney has held him back, but he appears to be healthy and he appears to have broken through in many ways coming off a of gym. Uh, what's been the differences here for Haney? You know, to me, it's the difference of where he moved on the mound. He started the season, his first two starts were on the third base side on the mound. And he, after that, he moved over to the first base side where he's more comfortable. And his last eight starts from that side, he's 3-3 three and three with a 1.93 ERA since he's moved from the third base over to the first base side. It's about angles. And for him, he's attacks on the inner half of the plate. It creates a better angle for him to go ahead and do that. Uh, he's been sensational as far as pitching in the strike zone he throws strikes he elevates when he needs to elevate and if you can elevate in the game today you can have success because guys swings are underneath that he's done a nice job with that he changes speeds really well and then he competes he's a guy that goes out there and competes it was great his last start something that we haven't seen from Mike Social let a starter who had a, over 100 pitches work the ninth inning this was a one nothing ball game and Mike Social let him go out there and uh, finish that one-hit shutout that he threw in his last start. So he's been, he's been one of our more consistent starters in this rotation. He's been a guy that the Angels count on to keep him in games as much as he possibly can, and he's delivered. 
The news in baseball is Shohei Otani as the Mariners and the Angels and the Astros duke it out in the top three in the American League West. Obviously, Otani on the disabled list, a grade two strain of the UCL. Nobody knows for sure what's going to happen with him, but the loss of Otani must be just immense for your ball club. In, in many different ways. Obviously, from the pitching side, as much as James Paxson means to the Mariners and is that guy that can stop losing streaks and almost you feel like it's a, almost a win every time those guys are on the mound. Otani was that guy for the Angels, so you lose him from that capacity. But you really, we, he, we miss his presence in the batter's box. And I didn't think I would say that at the beginning of the year, but he certainly has, has really shown everybody he's very capable to hit at the major league level. And we missed that left-handed bat in the lineup on a consistent basis. So uh, it affects the Angels in two different ways. And certainly on the mound is one, but also it, his presence in the batter's box is, is greatly going to be missed. Mark, it's always a pleasure. This should be a fun series. Thanks for the time. Oh, anytime. I, I love it. Anytime I get a chance to sit and talk with you, it's, it makes my day better. <laughs> and here is Shannon Dreyer with an old friend, Joel Pinheiro. Shannon Dreyer in the dugout catching up with a familiar face who's been with us the last couple of days, and Joel Pinero. And, and we saw you in spring training. Just how did you kind of reconnect with the Mariners on this level? Well, I kind of, like I said, going back to the high school coaching, I was helping out a lot. I helped out Yadier Molina with the sub-23 team in Puerto Rico. Okay. And that kind of got me on the field again and just going through the whole motions. And I told my agent, I said, hey, send out a letter to the teams telling them that I'm interested in getting back into coaching somehow, but at the same time, being able to be home with my kids and the family but have a time to go out and work and then a couple teams called me to coach you know being a pitching coach for the a-ball and I was like I'm not ready for that <laughs> and then finally Seattle called and said it's kind of like a roving you know helping out assistant pitching coordinator or something and then came out like that you know hey we want you a week here in Arkansas and then you got to go another week to the Dominican another week in Arizona mm-hmm. obviously a couple days here in the big league teams you know so it, it's like I said I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, you had that long, good, big league career, but when you kind of look back and when it comes to coaching, kind of who pops into your mind? Who, who kind of had the biggest influence on you? I'll tell you what. Uh, Jamie Moyer was the guy that, from the beginning, obviously he was the veteran guy when I was coming up, and not just pitching, just everything all the way around, how to take, how to go about the game, how to – and he was like, I guess, one – him and Freddie Garcia were the two biggest mentors that I had. And it, like I said, it, it's still I still use stuff that they told me back in the day, and I use it and I pass it on to younger guys. And I feel that's something that's always going to stick with me through my through my career, through my life. When you look at younger pitchers today, what's different than when you were a young pitcher? I guess they're all throwing 95 plus. <laughs> <laughs> every arm you see on every team, it's like unless you don't, you know, there's not many finesse pitchers out there. Mm-hmm. They're all throwing 95 plus, and it's amazing to see how many arms there is out there. Back in the day, you had two or three guys in the bullpen either were closers or something like that that would come in and throw hard. Now, five out of the eight arms or seven arms are throwing 95-plus. And it's, it's like I said, it's great for the for the game, and it's making it tougher on the hitters, I'll tell you that, you know. Yeah. It, so, we'll see. You can also make it more fun when you see the guys that don't have the 95, and they're pitching. That was me. Because <laughs> I didn't have the 95. <laughs> and that's when it comes down to pitching. Just because right. just you don't throw 95-plus doesn't mean you can't pitch in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. I did it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was able to get 12 years in, and I became more of a sinker baller pitcher once I left Seattle because I, you know, I was getting older and my arm wasn't the same, but I learned how to pitch. Mm-hmm. And it, like I said, it gave me an extra five, six years in the big leagues learning how to pitch. I had a great instructor in Dave Duncan when I got to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, it just extended my career. And then now I see it, try to pass on a little things to Felix because Felix is not the 95 plus anymore, 97, <laughs> but he's learned how to pitch. He's not a thrower anymore. He's a pitcher. Right. He knows how to change speeds good, change eye level, 
bring the ball up and down, in and out, and he's pitching, and that's why he's still being the way he is. He's having success in the big leagues. It's amazing the tools he still has. He doesn't have the velocity, but everything else is just... And by looking at his demeanor on the mound, by looking at his stuff, you think he's throwing 95, and that's what you need out there. Show, you know, showing motion, showing, you know what, I got this, and not not showing any, not giving the credit, the hitters any credit. You know, thinking you're throwing the ball, it might be 91. It's a good sinker, and you think it's 95, 97. You know, it's just learning how to, that adjustment that he made, and I think he's still doing a good job of it. He's a very good split finger, change up, the slider, and his sinker moves really good. You mentioned Freddie a couple of minutes ago, and it seems like every offseason I look up and he's doing something in winter ball. I mean, he's had. Is he going to pitch again next year? No, he finally, <laughs> I, I talked to Freddie last week. He finally shut it down. He was in Mexico pitching for a yes. little bit, and he just said he was out there, and then now he's just shut it down finally. He's going to be working with Carlos Guillen in, in Venezuela as an assistant to the GM in their winter ball team. Mm-hmm. And I think they opened up an academy where they, you know, they had the young kids trying to get them, preparing them to get drafted in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, he's, you know, he, yeah, he tried to pitch as long as he could. He was, you know, he's another guy. He had the overpowering stuff, and then he learned how to, he was pitching, like you said, in Venezuela in the Caribbean World Series, and pitching good, throwing 87, yeah. 88, but, but he had, you know, he has, he, he learned how to pitch. And, but yeah, Freddie's still a good friend of mine. We kind of live close in Miami. We see each other. So, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Okay, lastly, you were talking about uh, helping out in, in Puerto Rico, and that's been one of the great stories, I think, in baseball in the last couple of years, to see the resurgence of baseball. It was so hard to see what happened to the Winter League about 10 years ago, but it seems like it's really starting to grow there again. Yes, the, it picked up again. We had, a, like you said, we had eight or nine years that it was kind of, it slowed down, really, mm-hmm. for, for Puerto Rican players. And now this young core of Correa, the Lindors, the Molina, the Diaz, the Bias. You know, that whole core again kind of gave life to Puerto Rico in, in the baseball sense because it was like the older group, the Alomars, the Bayergas, myself, Javi Vasquez. You know, we were on the outside and finally that group, but we, there was a gap, which it was tough. And obviously with the hurricane, what happened, they only played 20 games. They were still to get a season in 20 games and they went out to win the Caribbean World Series. And the biggest thing for me was the World Baseball Classic. Right. Putting those two teams together and being finalists, going to the championship game on back-to-back classics, just put Puerto Rico on the map again. As for the young guys coming up, and, and like I think the future looks bright.